We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. A few days ago, we held our Missouri Ballot Issues Forum and several panelists were on hand to discuss the competing medical marijuana proposals. Amendments 2 and 3 and Proposition C are all designed to legalize medical marijuana. They would all do it differently and apply revenues generated in different ways. With us to discuss the amendment and propositions for Amendment 2, Jack Cardetti, General Consultant for New Approach Missouri. Speaking for Amendment 3, Dr. Brad Bradshaw, spokesperson for Find the Cures. Former State Representative Mike Colonna is here to speak for Proposition C. Standing alone in opposition to all of it is Brandon Kosterison with the National Council of Alcohol and Drug Abuse. We begin with Representative Colonna and Proposition C. Proposition C represents a survey of best practices of states that currently have medical marijuana put into a single bill. Now, in my opinion, the biggest selling point for Proposition C is that this is a statutory amendment, not a constitutional amendment. It costs about $1.6 million to put an initiative petition on the ballot and to get it approved. I hope if either of the two other constitutional amendments pass that they've crossed every T and dotted every I because if they didn't get it right, it's going to cost us about $1.6 million to put something back on the ballot and fix it. With that being said, um, we, have, uh, we, we tried to go to all the stakeholders and ask them what was important to them, what will work, what won't work. Some of the things that uh, our proposition does, we have a seed to sale tracking system, so you can literally put a barcode on a seed of marijuana and have it tracked from seed to sale. Um, we have doctors who can, who can watch a client, who can meet with a patient, um, certify the patient for one of the things that are listed in the bill to be treated for. That's significant from a standpoint of we went to doctors and said, how do we get you involved? They said, please don't ask us to prescribe marijuana. That's going to mess with our malpractice insurance, and we're not going to do it. What we can do is visit with the patient. We can make the determination whether or not they qualify for one of those qualifying ailments and certify them to purchase medical marijuana. I'm being waved at. I think we each get a minute you each get up a minute. here. So. And yours is up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get back to you. Never, never fear. Never fear. Okay, pro amendment two. Let's go out, Jack Cardetti. Yeah, Missourians are a very compassionate uh, people. They want doctors and patients to be able to work together to determine their best medical treatment options. That's why, in less than two weeks, Missouri will become the 31st state that allows for medical marijuana. The real question tonight is which of these uh, is going to pass, amendment two or amendment three? Um, there clearly are two of the three initiatives up here are reasonable. Prop C, Amendment 2, we obviously believe Amendment 2 is superior, but they're both reasonable. They both match what the 30 other states have done. The real outlier here is Amendment 3. Now, Amendment 2 is a coalition of veterans, patients, doctors um, that want doctors, state licensed physicians, to be able to recommend medical marijuana to patients with serious and debilitating illnesses. It places a small 4% tax on the retail sale of medical marijuana, which would go towards veterans and veterans health care in the state of Missouri. It would be regulated by an existing state agency, the Missouri Department of Health. 
That's in stark contrast to Amendment 3. Amendment 3 would put a 15% tax on the sale of medical marijuana. That's the largest tax in the entire country. On top of that, it'd be the only one that has a wholesale tax on it. This would make it unaffordable for patients. It also, unlike the Department of Health that would regulate ours, it would put one person in charge of the medical marijuana industry, a medical marijuana czar, if you will, and he's sitting to my right, Brad Bradshaw. You'll be able to hear from him in a second. That's part of the reason um, that so many groups, like the Epilepsy Foundation, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, have all endorsed Amendment 2 over Amendment 3. Thank you, Dr. Brad Bradshaw. When I was a child, we had different leaders in this country. Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., and a president who said this, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept one we are unwilling to postpone. But ladies and gentlemen, we have postponed finding a cure for cancer and other diseases for over 50 years. And unbelievably, the unbelievably, the best treatment for most cancers is the same today as it was 50 years ago. Cut it out with cold hard steel before it metastasizes, or you will die. Medical marijuana will reduce suffering and its tax revenue will lead to early detection and cures. It is a perfect marriage of ideas. With Amendment 3, failure is no longer an option and Missouri will lead the way. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for Brandon Kosterson. Go ahead, sir. So I'm Brandon Costeris, and I'm with the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse. I also recognize I'm probably the least popular person up here, um, so I'll try and keep my remarks brief. Uh, we're a public health agency, and our goal is to reduce the harms associated with al alcohol and other drug use. I think everyone at this table would, and most folks in this room would probably agree that the ideal solution to the question of medical marijuana would be for the DEA or Congress to reschedule it and allow for copious in-depth research where we're looking at double-blind studies and all of these type of things. Unfortunately, that doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon. So the question is, what do we do in the meantime? So what NCADA has done is look at what would a best practice be? What would a true medicalization of marijuana be? And use that standard to evaluate all of the initiatives that have been put on the ballot and things that have gone through the General Assembly over the past couple of years. Unfortunately, we think that the three things that will be on the ballot on November fall fairly uh, far short of those goals, but we will get more into that here in a moment. How did we get to this point? And I'll ask you, Mike, as a state representative, to where we're dealing with these three issues separately. So I, I was elected to the General Assembly back in 2008. About 2009, uh, somebody came to me and said, hey, look, you know, I've got a family member with terminal cancer we'd like to use medical marijuana. So I did a little bit of research and found that we actually had a medical marijuana bill that had been around for 20 years, mm -hmm. but it just needed to be updated. So, you know, for the next six years in the General Assembly, we tried to get it done, uh, but Missouri is a pretty conservative state. And I think there was a lot of fear on gateway drugs. Is this really just a, an opportunity to legalize marijuana in an end run? So I think every time we debated in the General Assembly, it failed. I think we're finally at a point where folks in this room, folks listening to the show are educated and have seen where this is a drug that can be used by doctors to help people. 
It's a drug that can be used by doctors to combat opioid addiction. And it's something that can be successfully regulated by the state. So I think this, all three of these proposals represent different sectors of Missouri, different sectors of people who have decided, you know what, it's time that we do this. And if the General Assembly doesn't have the, the gumption or the ability or, or the interest to get it done, we're going to do it. Jack Cardetti, what kind of oversight have we been looking at? It's a great question, Don. So uh, like the 30 other states that have a medical marijuana program, under Amendment 2, this would be re regulated by an existing state agency. The Missouri Department of Health would be in charge. They are the state agency that has uh, expertise in these matters. They work with doctors, patients, healthcare systems all day long. Under Amendment 2, they would be in charge of the medical marijuana system in Missouri, and the proceeds, the four small 4% retail tax, would go towards veterans and veterans health care. It's one of the reasons that Amendment 2 is a real win-win for veterans. Not only is PTSD and other debilitating illnesses covered, but uh, under this, there would be funding that goes to health care. That's a vast start, that's an, a, a really in contrary to Amendment 3. Under Amendment 3, there would be a brand new wing of state government set up. Not under the executive branch, not under the legislative branch, Brad Bradshaw, the, the sole funder of the initiative Amendment 3, would put himself in charge, write himself into the Constitution as the chairman of this brand new state agency. He would name every single one of the board members of that and give them vast powers. It would essentially be a medical marijuana czar. They would even go as far as to give themselves the power of eminent domain. So if they wanted to take your farmland to build a medical research center, they could. They'd give themselves that power under Amendment 3. So this is really, besides taxation, Don, this is the biggest difference between these two initiatives. Who controls it? Who regulates it? Is it for the benefit of patients, or is it in for the benefit of one person? Dr. Bradshaw, let me put that same question to you concerning oversight. So the oversight would be through a board of scientists, some of the best scientists in the world. I've talked to scientists from Harvard Medical I've talked to scientists from Harvard Medical School, um, uh, scientists in Germany, scientists in Japan. I've talked to people all over the United States. I've also talked with the uh, deans of every, contacted the deans of every medical school in the state of Missouri. And I can tell you one dean in particular has said off the record, um, would like to be involved in this, but cannot come out publicly for it because it is a Schedule I narcotic and they'd be in violation of federal law. So, but they want, they desperately want the money. Um, Amendment 3 will bring millions of dollars to the medical schools here locally as well. The money will go to the people of Missouri instead of the wealthy corporations. Amendment 2 and Proposition C are set up to be monopolies, and these monopolies will drive up the cost. And actually, I was involved in writing uh, Amendment 2. I've got the emails from them. Uh, and I was consulted to write Proposition C, but I told the people with Proposition C, who are, by the way, an retired Anheuser-Busch executives here in St. Louis, um, that I would not help them because they insisted that they be allowed to have a monopoly. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So as far as oversight, it also allows for oversight by the government, something that Mr. Cardetti fails to recognize. The, the state legislature and the governor together can take anyone, including me, off the board for any reason. There doesn't have to be cause. It's a supermajority, but there is oversight and they can remove anybody from the board. And as far as me selecting these scientists, I'm not going to do it 
Um, I'm going to talk to scientists who are going to help pick the best people. I've talked to a Nobel Prize winner in medicine who's also involved in this. He wants it to happen as well, and he's offered to be involved in it also. We need to find cures for cancer and early detection too. There are early detection tests out there now. I've talked to the people in Japan, and I've talked to the experts from South Korea. There's a way, and this is what blows my mind. There are tests out there, and I get angry when I talk about it, and you can probably see it. There are tests out there we can reduce prostate cancer deaths by probably 50%. No, prostate cancer has almost 95% death rate with stage four when it's diagnosed, and we can reduce that. We can reduce it within the next year if only people will act. But big, I don't know, I can't tell you why they won't act, but, they, but they're not. And it's out there, and I'm willing to spend my own money to get something going because this is, I think, the greatest thing that can happen to the state of Missouri, and it will create 10,000 plus new jobs. It will create a world-class cancer research center, and there's no more eminent domain than UMSL has. Every state, every hospital, every college, everything has eminent domain. There is no special eminent domain. If you look throughout the article, you'll see, yes, that there will be land that will need to be purchased. Some of it may be UMSL. Um, some of it may be SLU, some of it may be Washington University. Um, obviously, a research facility of this nature will require buildings, which also create jobs. Michael Lona, the oversight question to you, then I'll go to Brandon, then I'll go to Cheryl. Sure. Um, I have to take issue for a moment with one of Dr. Bradshaw's comments. Um, I think it's a little bit ironic with Proposition C, we can go to the General Assembly and ask for more licenses to be created. We can ask for more grow facilities to be authorized. I have access points to go to to change the law to make sure that we can broaden the opportunity for people to participate. However, with Amendment 3, it's Dr. Bradshaw who decides that. So if we want to talk about creating monopolies, and I've tried to stay neutral, by the way, on this Amendment 2, Amendment 3, smackdown. But if we want to talk about monopolies, it's Amendment 3 that creates a monopoly. Now, as far as regulation is concerned, uh, we're similar to Amendment 2. Uh, we use the Department of Health to issue cards and to monitor uh, the list of ailments that you can uh, be certified for. But the, the actual regulation of the industry would go through uh, the uh, Department of Alcohol and Tobacco. And that's based, again, on just surveying other states, what they do and how they do it, and what, what not just works, but what works the quickest to allow you to hit the ground running. If you take a look at the way medical marijuana works in most states and the way it would work in Missouri, it's basically a three-tiered system. You have, in essence, people who are growing, you have distributors, and then you have your dispensaries. That's a three-tiered system that's set up just like the liquor system. So in our opinion, liquor control is the best uh, the best uh, what do you, what do you, oversight. Oversight. Thank you. The best oversight crew that's out there. We are also the only proposition that's on the ballot that would allow for what's called a uh, local opt-out. So while St. Louis City, St. Louis County, Jefferson, Jackson, most of the state will probably pass this by overwhelming amounts, there will be some parts of the state that don't want it. So once Proposition C passes, if a county will pick on Butler County. If Butler County doesn't want medical marijuana in Butler County, then the county commission can put it on a ballot and the folks in Butler County can either vote it up or down. It's not gonna be a commission of three elected folks saying no, it'll be the people that live in that county that says no. We also allow uh, for 
municipalities and counties to create their own regulations, say like a time, place, and a manner. Do you want it to be so far away from a school? Uh, do you want it to be so far away from a church? What type of electrical regulations do you want? What type of fire codes do you want? So we try and bring as many people to the table as possible to make sure that your local elected officials, your, anybody that has an interest in this has the opportunity to continuously affect that regulation. Brandon Costarison, what are you hearing with all of this? So I'm, I'm hearing a lot of different things, and I want to first focus on oversight. You know, very few things that get passed either through the vote of the people, through the initiative petition process, or through the General Assembly get it right the first time. And there's always unforeseen circumstances that could arise. So we know that a legislative or statutory change to create a system would be the most effective so that we can address unforeseen consequences that come down the road. Uh, maybe it's an expansion of conditions that are eligible or ways to regulate dosing, things like that. Um, only one of the IPs has that, and that's something that we think that would be really important in any type of, uh, of oversight scheme. But then we get into some other issues that none of the three initiative petitions address that really do warrant some, some in-depth consideration. Uh, Mr. Colonna and I were talking last night at another discussion, and people who do hair braiding for a living are required to go through more training than the dispensary staff. Now, Amendment 3 has to have a uh, pharmacist on call 24 hours a day, but that's not training for staff servers and wait staff have to have more training to hand you your food than the bud tenders at dispensaries that are giving you medical advice. That's a big problem. Addition additionally, when we're looking at regulating medicine, I'm not sure that alcohol and tobacco are the models that we want to take a look at. Now, if we want to look at it for recreational use, sure, that seems like an appropriate model. But if we're talking medicine, alcohol and tobacco aren't used medicinally in this country. Um, the last thing that everybody brought up and I think is really important is the question of taxes. Um, Dr. Bradshaw's, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Amendment 3 has the highest tax rate explicitly on the marijuana. But what we should also do is take a look at the functional tax rate or the effective tax rate because both the 2% on Prop C and the 4% on Amendment 2 are excise taxes on top of state and local sales taxes. So depending on where you live, that 2% on Prop C could be anywhere from 10 to 12%. Depending on where you live, Amendment 2 could be anywhere between 12 and 14%. Now, we believe that we don't pay taxes on medicine. In Missouri, we don't pay taxes on prescription drugs. And we think that if people are truly suffering from chronic debilitating conditions, anywhere from a 10 to a 15% tax on top of it is unacceptable. Now, we know that two of the initiative petitions could have removed those state and local sales taxes and not place, an IP, or a, uh, not place an excise tax on it because Dr. Bradshaw's amendment gets rid of those state and local sales taxes. We know that could have been done, but that, wouldn't be done, or that has not been done in any of these. And really, it boils down to that Missourians deserve better. They deserve better oversight. They deserve better regulation. And they, don't, they shouldn't be paying taxes on their medicine. Doctor, you want yeah, to say? if I could, I'd, I'd like to first start, Keep it start as off as brief saying, as you can. Please. Yeah, the local opt out, which is in Prop C, we have that in uh, Amendment 3 as well. You, it, it's in there if you'll take a look at it. There is an opt out provision for uh, local government. 
Um, alcohol and tobacco were chosen by Proposition C because I met with them at Millionaire Hangar. I flew up in my little bitty plane, met with them there, and they wanted alcohol and tobacco because these are retired um, Anheuser-Busch executives. They know the people, alcohol and tobacco. They Dr. Bratch, sure I'm sorry. They I get, have to they, correct they you and say sure. just yeah, look at the there, ethics sir. report. Look I at the ethics there. report. Those I was folks there, are sponsoring amendment. I had the amendment. meeting with them right. at Millionaire Holder. FBO. I know exactly what they said because I was there. All right. Now, Mike, you respond to that, then we'll move on. Sure. Now, I think Dr. Bradshaw is getting a little bit confused because I was involved. Not at all. I was there. You weren't. One at a time, please. He's lying. He's flat out lying. <laughs> so uh, the one thing I would take uh, that I'd like to talk to Brandon about a little bit is, Brandon, your agency does a great job. You recently, though, just announced that there was a record number of opioid deaths Absolutely. In, in Missouri, which is really an ep nothing short of an epidemic in Missouri. And there is, you know, Brandon nor I are, are doctors, but the Cadillac of medical studies in this, in this country is the Journal of American Medicine. And just in May, they came out with a study that showed that states that implement a medical marijuana law, like Amendment 2, actually see a decrease in uh, opioid prescriptions. There was an earlier study, again in the Journal of American Medicine, 2014, that showed that in states that implement a medical marijuana law like Amendment 2 actually see a decrease in opioid-related deaths, and the longer a state is a medical marijuana state, the more dramatically those deaths fall off. So the one thing I don't believe we can do here from a public stand, uh, health standpoint is nothing. Thirty other states are allowing doctors to work with patients to recommend medical marijuana for cancer, epilepsy, PTSD, and other debilitating illnesses. For many patients, this won't be a, an appropriate treatment option, but for some it will, and it'll be a much safer uh, option. And that's why everyone from the Epilepsy Foundation to uh, the St. Louis NAACP to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the St. Louis American, and just this week, and they never take positions on ballot initiatives, the Missouri VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, have come out in support exclusively of Amendment 2, because there's something that we need to do here. We need to bring medical marijuana to Missouri because it will benefit patients. We've got Cheryl who's been waiting very patiently. Let's get her in. Go ahead, Cheryl. I'm Cheryl from Ladue, and what I want to know is if Prop 2 passes and the others fail. Amendment 2. Amendment 2, I'm sorry. Uh, passes and the others fail, will this preclude future efforts for recreational marijuana? It's a great question. It, it will not. This only deals with medical marijuana. So nothing in our amendment uh, will legalize recreational or adult use uh, marijuana, and, but it also won't preclude that in the future. All Amendment 2 does is allow a doctor to recommend medical marijuana to patients with debilitating illnesses. It doesn't speak to recreational uh, marijuana at all. I know in Amendment 3 there is a section that, that does seem to preclude that in the future. I don't know if that's a drafting error or not. That's something you'd have to ask uh, Mr. Bradshaw. Brandon, are you concerned at all that uh, this will be a, like the camel's nose under the tent. We get medical marijuana, that recreational marijuana is uh, right behind it. You know, I think that these are two very separate issues, and I think Jack did a great job of talking about, you know, they are, as I mentioned when my opening statement, you know, there are the potential for medical benefits from marijuana, just like, you know, there are medical benefits for some people in certain circumstances from opioids. 
The thing is, it's very narrow medical benefits. Uh, that doesn't mean that we should have recreational opiate, opiates um, legalized. So, but I do want to, speaking of opiates, I do want to take a little bit of issue with one of the things that Jack mentioned. Um, as far as the evidence correlating the two, there's not, well, there is evidence of correlation. There's not evidence of a, of a causal link between those uh, opioid overdose deaths and um, medical marijuana. And in fact, if you look at the states that have the 10 highest opioid overdose rates, nine of them have medical marijuana programs. So the correlation just isn't there. So, but that's not a reason not to allow for some form of medicalized marijuana, <clears throat> because we do know that there can be some benefits. Instead, we need to focus on is the structure of the program something that checks the boxes that we need for an effective program that puts patients first and isn't motivated toward higher profits or individualized power or anything like that. We have Evelyn from Chesterfield here who will address a little bit of the structure, I think, with her question. Uh, my, my question is this. First, let me just say I do know that there are many benefits to medical marijuana, and I've seen the research on what it's done for children, specifically with seizures disorders. But my question is it seems that these, these initiatives focus on smoking marijuana. I think that Amendment 2 said that there's a a provision for growing it yourself. I mean, there'd be a way that you have to go about doing it, but I think there, that's the case. For those of us who can't stand cigarette smoke, let alone, I can't imagine smelling that, but I don't, I don't want a person to suffer, what can be done? Because there are other ways of using medical marijuana outside of simply smoking it, and that's my major concern. So, uh, briefly, um, you're correct. Uh, Amendment 2, and, and I believe Dr. Bradshaw's amendment, allow for home grows? No, uh, no Amendment 3 does not allow for home grow. No home Proposition C doesn't allow for home grows either. And then but part of the reason why, again, we wanted to do a statutory fix instead of a constitutional fix is to allow local authorities the option to come in and address those issues. Um, so if, for example, the city of Arnold wanted to make sure that their smoking ban also applied to the ingestion of medical marijuana, then they can pass a city ordinance that says that. But again, your question's a good one, and under all three of these, all of the different forms of medical marijuana are available, but the market itself, as you point out, is moving in the opposite direction. Three or four years ago, the majority of medical marijuana sales were in smokable form. That's not true today. Less than half, and every day, every year, it's decreasing, is in a smokable form. You now see it in oils, you see it in edibles, you see it in food, you see it in drops. That is becoming the standard when it comes to medical marijuana. We'll have a final question now from Richard, and then we'll go to closing statements. Yes, uh, I'm Richard from the city of St. Louis. Uh, my, my question has to do with this whole uh, initiative process. Um, and, and uh, I mean, the Affordable Care Act was passed in the first Obama administration. Uh, the only way to get um, the expansion to Medicaid now because of the uh, Republican-controlled legislature would be through ballot initiative. So why do we have three um, proposals for a ballot initiative for medical marijuana when our real medical issue in this state is the expansion of Medicaid. Why wasn't that first, especially since uh, Mike tells us it cost about $1.6 million to get something on the ballot? Why couldn't one of these be for Medicaid expansion? Maybe we should start with the uh, 
legislator. Well, there's, there's a single subject rule, I can tell you as a lawyer, that you have a single subject rule. If you're going to take on that issue, you can't take it on in the same thing you're taking on medical marijuana. That would be struck down as unconstitutional. Now, maybe there should have been a constitutional amendment for what you're talking about, and I can understand that. Brandon, do you have your hand up? Yeah, I was just going to say, the reason that we don't have a medical marijuana program right now does come down to money. Um, there was a version that almost made it through the General Assembly this year, and it could already be in existence right now, except for one state senator from the other side of the state filibustered it and killed that bill because he favored one of the initiatives that's going to be on the ballot. A lot of it comes down to money, and there's no, there's no big money organization out there pushing Medicaid expansion. That's why that's not currently on the ballot. Our, our time is winding down here. Um, Mike, let me put this uh, question to you very quickly. What happens if all three pass? Um, I, I think it's which one passes. Uh, the Missouri Constitution says when you have initiative petitions dueling IPs on a ballot, the one that receives the most votes is the one that controls. The Missouri Constitution is silent on what happens if you have some constitutional amendments and you have a statutory amendment. Some legal scholars would say it doesn't matter, whichever one of the three gets the most votes is the one that controls. Other legal scholars will say, well, no, a constitutional amendment is the one that's going to carry the day, not the statutory. Um, I would propose to folks out there that are voting that Proposition C and Amendment 2 are very similar. Um, there are only a couple of big differences, one in particular being no home grow, uh, two is where the lowest tax. But I think if it's, if it's Amendment 2 that gets the most votes, uh, or if it's Proposition C that gets the most votes, we can harmonize what we want to do very easily. Uh, the real question becomes what happens if Amendment 3 passes. Okay, well, it may wind up in court. It could. I'm sure there are a bunch of lawyers that want to make some money on that. But. Okay, we've got, to wrap it, we've got to wrap it up. Let's go to the closing statements. And uh, Brandon, Brandon, uh, you're up first. Yeah, so... We don't want to, no one in this room wants to watch people needlessly suffer. That, you know, we all come with this with compassion. We all come at this wanting to help people. And we all agree that there would be an ideal situation if Washington can get its head on straight. But we're not holding our breath on that. So instead what we need to do, it, it's not a one of these three or nothing. It's one of these three or what can get past the General Assembly next year and maybe just a month or two difference between implementation times. What we need to do is look for programs that have qualified oversight. We need to look at programs that don't tax people who are suffering in order to plug budget holes in Missouri's budget. And we need a program that would put Missourians first, that would put patients first, and not look out for individuals who are looking to make a buck um, from their dispensaries in Colorado or to empower themselves uh, within the state constitution. Thank you, Dr. Bradshaw. Thank you. Um, I just want to say that you all don't know me. I'm from Springfield. I work in Kansas City. I work up here some, but I've spoken the truth from the word go on this, and you don't have to believe me, but I have spoken the word truth on all of this. Um, I'll also tell you that this is not a debate about medical marijuana. This is recreational marijuana versus medical marijuana versus no marijuana. Proposition C and Amendment 2 all allow marijuana to be prescribed for any medical condition. It's 15J under Amendment 2. If you want to write that on 15J, it's other any other medical condition. It's 24J um, under Prop C. Am Amendment 2 also allows for six plants per person 
18 plants, if people band together, can be grown in a basement. Anywhere in Missouri, it cannot be stopped once the amendment goes through. So you can have 18 plants being grown right next door to you, or in your house for that matter. Um, it, all you need is a doctor's note. Um, <clears throat> it's not as the camel's nose coming in, it's that the camel is inside the tent. Um, and the least popular person, as he said up here, is the most popular in the rural areas. And I think you, they think in the rural areas, this is not gonna pass. I know Jack's confident it will, but I think Trump carried Missouri by 20 points, and a lot of those people in the rural areas do not want medical marijuana. Um, my position is temporary, it's unpaid, I'm off the board, that's, it's illegal for me to make it. money, and that's in the amendment. That's Brad Bradshaw speaking for Amendment 3, Jack Cardetti now speaking for Amendment 2. Now, when Brad Bradshaw said earlier that he wouldn't be appointing all of those board members uh, to the new research board that'll be in charge of everything, quite frankly, that wasn't true. If you read the fair ballot language that the Secretary of State uh, prepares, there's two things that'll jump right off the page at you. Brad Bradshaw's name is in there twice. He has written himself into the Constitution. Not only will he be the first chairman of this, he will select every one of the board members. That gives himself a ton of power. Why else would one personal injury attorney from Springfield, Missouri have loaned the campaign more than $1.9 million now? This is a big difference between Amendment 2 and Amendment 3. Amendment 2 is put together uh, and we have the support of veterans and patients and doctors um, because Missourians are suffering right now. Missourians that are going through chemotherapy right now, we know medical marijuana will help them with nausea. We know that it'll help them with appetite. We know that it'll help them sleep, with, with sleep. That's why, that's why Amendment 2 has come together with the goal of being the 31st state to do this. The real difference here is are we gonna pass one that's about patients or are we gonna pass one that's in one person's self-interest? That's what Missourians have to choose in two weeks. That's, uh, thank you very much. And uh, Mike Colonna will wind up with you. Thanks, gosh, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that hasn't done some cheap shots over here. But I gotta tell you, Don, it's, we have Proposition C. In my opinion, it's the granddaddy on the block. It's the one that's had the most research. It's the one that's had the most outreach to different stakeholders. Stakeholders include patients, doctors, law enforcement, locally elected officials, but most importantly, patients. A survey of what's worked in other states, all put together in a bill where, we, where we've had at least six years of research and talking to folks. So you talk about a broad coalition, while we might not be out there touting folks that have come to the table, folks have been at the table. And I'm here speaking about Amendment C, or Proposition C, because I think it's the best, most workable, most efficient option for patients in the state of Missouri to have access to medical marijuana. That State Representative Mike Colonna, spokesman for Proposition C. Also heard from, for Amendment 2, Jack Cardetti, General Consultant for New Approach Missouri. Speaking for Amendment 3, Dr. Brad Bradshaw, spokesperson for Find the Cures. And finally, Brandon Kosterison with the National Council of Alcoholism and Drug Abuse, speaking in opposition to the medical marijuana proposals on Missouri's November ballot. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.